When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, this podcast is all that you get. A Ted Lasso podcast and post show recaps. You better believe it. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by a man who is never uh, derailed by negative feedback on Twitter. Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how you doing? I'm just fine. I am never derailed by negative feedback on Twitter uh, because my ego is so huge. Tell me Josh, about that. that. How do you how do you survive? How how do you just, manage that? You have to really think exceptionally highly of yourself uh-huh. <laughs> so that when you receive the negative feedbacks, you're like yeah. that that fucking person's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, it. No, that guy yeah, got it just wrong. Just another wrong person. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You need to. I mean, talk probably to not Nate. the he- probably not the healthiest way to handle it, but it's certainly a way. You need to speak with Nate, our boy Nate, who's having some struggles here in Headspace Season 2, Episode 7 of Ted Lasso. We are going to talk about it today. Apologies for getting the podcast up a tad bit late. Uh, It happens. What are you going to do? We're here now. We're talking about it all. We want to get feedback from you. Ted Lasso at PoshoRecaps.com is our email address. You could also talk to Antonio and I in the Posho Recaps patron discord where we have the Ted Lasso channel. It is vibrant. We've got a lot of action in there. Lots to draw from for our conversation today. Uh, First of all, Antonio, how you doing? I'm doing oh I mean I'm doing fine. This is a holiday weekend. So yeah, we're a little late, but the relaxation and the R and R on our ends was uh hopefully appreciated by you and hopefully people can understand that. Yeah, it was really hard to like get into the right headspace yes. to podcast about Ted Lasso today. I think like probably the biggest thing was like just figuring out where to sit. You know, like do I lie down on the couch? Do I sit in this chair? <laughs> Wait, if I lie down, do I like, it? Yeah, do I Don Draper it? I got to say that Don Draper was uh, like that whole scene where Ted is like trying to sit down across from Dr. Fieldstone was uh, deeply cringeworthy in a way that was uh, really awful. I, I, I want to shout Tad the librarian, Todd the librarian, who says the same thing. The whole sequence with Ted on the couch was almost too cringy for me. Uh, but ending with the doctor saying, probably sitting his best killed me. It was really hard for me to watch Ted sit down in therapy. But the Don Draper was very, 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 very funny. Let me ask you this, and we'll just, we'll just, I mean, I want to jump right in on this because I agree that the Ted, the, the fits and starts of Ted in therapy were, were certainly a highlight of this episode for me. 
especially when you talk about some of the other stuff that happened in this episode, which was either uncomfortable uh, in some cases with Roy and Keeley or downright like uh, aggressively uncomfortable in the case of what was happening with Nate. Um, but generally speaking, with with this particular episode, with Headspace and, and season two, Episode 7, where we're at uh, this part of the Ted Lasso season, we had talked previously about how they broke a 10-episode season, and then Apple came to them and said, hey, we would like you to add two more. Do you think, Josh, uh, we had previously heard that uh, this that the second one they added wouldn't feel as standalone as the Christmas episode? Right, that they had baked it in in such a way that it fit with the grander storyline of the season. Yes. So, it's not uh, going like, to stick out like a Christmas episode. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Cranky Pants uh, in the post-show recaps patron Discord, uh, who posted My Money is on tonight's episode being the other, quote, extra episode that was ordered after the writers had beat out the entire season. I felt the wheel spinning, which is unfortunate, but I feel like we're going to get a much more propulsive and eventful chapter with next week's episode. Uh, I mean, look at that running time. So I'm not really complaining. I guess next week's episode is a long one. Do you agree with this? Do you think this is likely to have been the other episode that was uh, kind of jammed in? There's. Ha- have you seen any like uh, press around it, interviews in which this was stated? That was very clearly part of the narrative around the Christmas episode. Um, I feel like you you read the interviews maybe more often than I do. I don't know if you encountered this at all. I no, I didn't. I read an episode. Um, I, I read a couple of episodes. Uh, I read, read, sorry, episode. I read a couple of articles about this week's episode, but nothing that that seemed to um, tip that off. So I'm not sure if that's true or not. Uh, but I, I mean, I feel like it seems likely. It feels very likely uh, yeah. to me. Like I think, like, uh, like I don't want to take away from people who really loved this episode. I know that there definitely are a lot of people who really enjoyed this week, and I'm certainly, especially in the middle of like, uh, I hate this Ted Lasso backlash. Ugh, like I, I hate saying that. What a gross phrase. Uh, but like in the middle of Ted Lasso backlash, I don't want to like add any fuel to that whatsoever i will quickly say i think that this is my least favorite episode of the show i still think that i enjoyed this episode of tv more than i enjoy most episodes of other shows so i still had a great time but it did feel a little wheel spinny to me in certain ways to the point where like where we get by the end of it with ted and therapy is probably exactly where we could have left off from last time into um, getting into whatever's going to come after this week's episode, right? Like, you know, the whole journey of his therapeutic process this week is sort of just like getting him on board fully with like, it wasn't just like an impulsive thing. And like, now he actually does want help from, uh, from Dr. Featherstone, uh, Dr. Fieldstone, Featherstone's from Preacher. Uh, that like, this is the, this is like the journey that he's on. I feel like we could have gone from last week to next week without this week. I uh, There's a lot about the Roy and Keeley stuff that I, that I enjoy, and I think that that's a, a worthy storyline to put on television, but I think it also feels like it's, it's one and done in the span of an episode, Antonio, like it happens, and then we can remove that. Uh, I, f- I feel like uh, it's very easy to see how like that's not going to have like massive ramifications for things that are down the line, at least for me, it feels like it's pretty much dealt with. Um, the big one, obviously, is what happens with Nate. And I was thinking about this because 
this episode otherwise does feel potentially like filler. Like I can imagine that this is one of those episodes that they had to like slot in because they had the additional episode order um, and that they could find a way to like fit all of this stuff in. But what happens with Nate is very significant by the end of this. Was it the kind of thing that they were able to like remove a piece of last week's episode, right? Where like he's, you know, uh, he's the wonder kid and he's getting all this awesome feedback and then suddenly he gets very bad feedback and he has a very bad reaction to that. Could you have had that be like sort of like a grim ending to what was otherwise a victory for Nate last week? I feel like that's the kind of thing that um, when you're having to like pivot in the face of like a new episode order that you could find... um, you could find the space to like offload that from what could have very naturally occurred last week to happening this week. So with all of that said, unless we get some sort of, you know, confirmation from the creators that there is a different episode that meets this uh, criteria of this was the one that we had to like kind of like fit in somewhere. This feels like the one to me um, is kind of where I land with it. Same for me. And for the reasons you said, and just like, I think the Ted one is the most persuasive to me because in, and I look, this is not, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really done the calculus in my, in my realm to decide where I feel like this episode falls on all the episodes of Ted Lasso, my favorite, least favorite, et cetera. But I will say the stuff with Ted is the stuff that I, I thought was the, the best moments of the episode. And you can imagine a world where we just have Ted breaking down in therapy and really getting into it uh, with Dr. Sharon next episode or the episode to come. Uh, and we didn't really quote unquote miss anything. If we don't have this bit of Ted's fits and starts in getting into therapy, it makes sense. And I'm glad it's there, but I don't necessarily feel like if you told me that there was a season or a version of the season without it, we'd be missing something. So that's the part that's really persuasive to me is it was a well-executed, well done, and ultimately just a way to get Ted in the room and being honest. And I think it's more true to the character that he had the fits and starts, that the bird was nodding and that Ted was nodding no, and that Ted stopped the nodding and was ready to stop agreeing or disagreeing uh, and just start getting real, uh, the real world. But, um, <laughs> but I will say like that was a part where I thought, okay, well, I really liked it, but if we didn't have it, I don't feel like the season would be missing anything. Certainly felt the same way about the Roy and Keeley uh, situation, which of course makes sense that there would be some tension in this relationship where they're spending a lot more time together uh, and that that would play out that way. But ultimately, at least for now, seems to be resolved and wrapped by Roy forcing Keeley to bathe. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, it just uh, didn't feel like that nice of a thing. It's like, hey, get in the bathtub and sit here for three hours. I yeah, won't bother you. I Maybe she didn't want to wanna take a bath. <laughs> Maybe it's, I have to know what happens to Robert Langdon. Yes, exactly. I must know about this albino. Yeah, yeah like, no, I don't know. But, Wait, uh, the master is who? Uh, but that whole <laughs> chapter. Yeah. Can we talk about... I just want to sidetrack here. Um, Da Vinci Code spoilers are imminent, folks. Yeah, well, not really. I won't spoil anything. I will just say... some, my aunt, who is deceased, may she rest in peace, yes. recommended. She was a, a voracious reader of mysteries, paperbacks, popular fiction, etc. She handed me uh, The Angels and Demons, uh, which is a book that was written, the Robert Langdon book that was written before The Da Vinci Code, uh, and said, you have to read this book. And everyone in the family read it. We were all addicted. So I, I began like meticulously showing up to a local bookstore waiting for the next Dan Brown book, uh, such that people in my life were making fun of me about, quote, the book. 
Uh, and how can you be keep, you're still checking for the book. The book will be out when it's out. Why are you doing this? Why do we have to look for the book? Then the Da Vinci Code came out and it became what it became. And I lorded that over those people forever. I was like, Oh, looks like I knew about the book, huh? Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. I was like a, Divi- I was a Robert Langdon hipster is what I'm saying. That's good. Thanks to my aunt BB. May she rest in peace. Did you have the Robert Langdon, Tom Hanks hair at the time? No, I didn't go all in. And yeah. by the way, that dude from succession, Nate is playing Robert Langdon on the Peacock show. Yes. And he's like the most punchable dude, like maybe <laughs> of all time. He's a terrible pick for Robert I Langdon. Hate that. That guy. But How so is he Robert Tom Langdon? Hanks. So is Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks also not Robert <laughs> Langdon. Know? Who would you have picked? Sam Neill? Like oh, who is your Sam Robert Neill Langdon? Sam Neil is a good pick. I mean, there is a there's a world where once upon a time, I mean, I guess it'd be two on the nose. Uh it's like a Harrison Ford, you know? Like, yeah. But he, like he can't be Robert Langdon and Indiana Jones. That's right, just no. greedy. You can't do it. But you need someone of that mold. Sam Neill definitely fits the bill. But I again, wonder who Roy Kent would pick to play uh Robert Langdon. Himself. Uh, <laughs> I'm in for that. Yeah, let's redo this no. and uh, cast Brett Goldstein as Wolverine, as Robert Langdon. <laughs> hey, listen, everybody. I have an idea. We could just CGI him into all those oh, roles. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, there is the whole Roy <laughs> Kent is CGI with an incredible reaction from Brett Goldstein. Uh, of, I just do normal human shit. Uh, it's very, very <laughs> funny. If you have not sought it out, you can look up uh, that discourse should you choose it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I... Uh, the Roy I, and Keeley stuff. I, I just felt like the Roy and Keeley stuff was very throwaway. It was inter- sure. It was entertaining. The are you talking about me joke? Very entertaining. Like, and the payoff was pretty brutal uh, when they really did clash. It was upsetting. But it was wrapped. I was wrapped in one episode. But right. I agree with you that the Nate stuff is like... Is there a world where they pulled that from somewhere else? Sure. Is the world where they expanded on it a little bit? Definitely. Um, but that's the part where it's like, it does feel like there's character momentum there and not for the better, by the way. Um, we're certainly building on things that we joked about or laughed about at the beginning of the season or even last season, right? Where Nate was uh, so quick to berate the team once you gave him the floor. Um, he was ready to really rip into people and that was chalked up as banter, which is fine. Um, it's gone beyond banter as Beard pointed out. It's weird and personal and like not banter anymore. Uh, and taking it out on Will the way he does is, is not banter. That was cruel. Uh, abuse so yes this does feel like a actual move by nate and not uh, not something that we've seen before so it's a little harder for me to say what would that have been without uh if this was the the, the one that was added but i think we have to see the rest to right. see exactly where this fits right i mean like i i could imagine the world where like his reaction to will that there are a couple of extra scenes that exist in the signal uh you know and i think like you know we we leave last week you know feeling like uh, you know, certainly a little more optimistic for Nate. Certainly, I did, right? Like, I was like, "There you go." Yeah, this is a, this has become like my recurring Ted Lasso. But it's like, oh well, there's no more character drama for that guy. That's great. It's just going to be really happy moving forward, and we don't have to worry about anything anymore, right? And it's like, no, Roy Ken is still going to be on the show, and he is at risk of heartbreak. Uh, no, Nate is not just like going to coach Richmond to a single victory, and everyone will love him forever now. This uh, this thing, right? Like this 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 need for respect to be taken seriously, for recognition, um, for all of the things that are going on with Nate. Um, uh, it, it's still very much a piece of the show. And this week, of course, I I really do think like the thing to talk about because as it pertains to Ted, like 
I feel like we we like called a lot of uh, like sort of what Ted's vibe around therapy might be like that like he would have this feeling of like empowerment of like I'm ready for the appointment then he gets the appointment he's not ready to take it seriously he walks out he comes back he reads Sharon for filth he comes back he's on board and now we're able to start cooking with some gas uh, hopefully as soon as next week like I think like we're no different right with uh, with where we are with him right now than we were when we were talking about Ted going to therapy last time. Right. Uh, and I think that the, the stops and starts do make sense. Uh, and at anyone who has needed help, um, whether it's with addiction issues, whether it's with uh, mental health support, can tell you, like, um, you might get into a position where... It's very you, real. Yeah. You hit your bottom and you're ready for help. You're ready to make an appointment. Then you get to the appointment. You don't want any part of it. Right. Uh, and you have to find a way to say, in that moment, I thought I was ready. But now with the light of day and a little bit of sleep and a little bit of rest and uh, some of that behind me, I think I'm fine. I don't need it anymore. Right. Uh, and so seeing Ted go through that, very relatable, very real. Um, we had a lot of great messages in the post show recaps patron discord about people sharing uh, how that was relatable for them. And so I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, as you would say, Josh, I, I, I credit that phrase to you, by the way, it's probably from something, but you're the only person that I really heard popularize it. So I give you credit when I think of that phrase. I don't know if that's right or not. Uh, I think I got it from when uh, Cynthia Nixon said it about having locks on a cinnamon bagel, a uh, cinnamon raisin bagel. Uh, which happened while she was running for governor of New York. Oh, I thought you were bringing sex in the city into this. No, I mean, like, technically, like, I'm sure that that occurred at some point in her life. But, like, uh, there's more about the bagel and the fish and the cinnamon <laughs> raisin bagel. And I think someone was like, ew, that's your breakfast order? She goes, don't yuck my yum. There you go. And so that was when I heard it the first time. Uh, you'd it's have almost to ask like she would have been a better governor than the one they ended up with. You'd uh, have to ask her. <laughs> no uh, comment on that. That's not my fault, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you'd have to ask maybe her. Maybe people just did not want to vote for someone named Nixon. It's I mean, possible. maybe that's all there is to it, right? Yeah. Like, maybe there was a little too, too late, much. Too yeah, late to change. In um, our genetic memory. But I think, like, everything that happened with Ted, uh, like, uh, it was it was cringeworthy, where I think it was appropriately cringeworthy. Yes. This stuff is not funny, really, to me anymore. No. Uh, which I, I I hope is part of the point of the show, um, but it's 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 really not. Like this stuff is like uh, this is a wounded bird, you know. Yeah. And we want to nurse him back to health. And we want to get him back in in the right shape, you know. We're 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 concerned about our guy here. Uh, so like all of like the lying down and everything like that. But like the like the the unpreparedness the the lack of readiness for it the desire to walk away um his feelings towards therapy generally that he articulates uh to sharon like um i think to some people probably felt like surprising because it is kind of antithetical to like ted's whole thing i know i talked about i've talked about that a bit along the way um but i think that there's i don't know there's I don't know the the armchair therapizing psychoanalysis of Ted Lasso, but like I think like there's like the self loathing component. There's like the you know there's like sort of a reflection of of what Sharon's um, field uh, purports to do versus what Ted, in his viewpoint of himself uh, as professional, what he uh, purports that to mean. Um, that there is this uh, this parallelism that somehow comes into conflict as well. I think is uh, for me, it, it, especially with this week, and it's a it's a it's a credit to this episode uh, and seeing the way that this first few these first few sessions played out. Um, that it makes it makes a a good measure of sense to me that this is how Ted was going to react to all of this stuff. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And you said wounded bird. I mean, we got a lot of wing flapping going on here. Like, and I really did like how Dr. Fieldstone just let him do it and just let it go. And then she said, I think sitting would be best after all of those antics and not responding to him. She's a great foil for Ted. And I know that she's not intending to be a foil, but he's trying to shuck and jive his way and like trying to like make a performance out of it. Right. Like it's all very like performative what he's doing. Uh, and he's trying to like move his hands around and, and, and just act all over the top and expecting, um, that to be something that she will respond to. And her response is perfect, which is no response, which is not even acknowledging it. And I really like that. She said the session began the minute you walked in, uh, because clearly like that means that she's reading all that as part of his oh, yeah. wounded bird nature, right? Like I diagnosed you the second you walked in the door, Josh, uh, like I said, from the West wing, uh, it, it's very reminiscent of that, how a therapist is just in total control, uh, and understanding it, it's not about that. It's about the person coming to their own realization, uh, and about letting that person realize what's going on. That's when it's going to sink in, no matter how well you realize it as the therapist. I'm speaking as a therapist. I'm not a therapist. Um, but it, it really feels that way to me. Uh, and so I really like how that played out. I also love the, speaking of birds, the actual bird there with the, I don't know, are those things thermometers? Like, what are those things? Are I'm they not just sure. like tchotchkes? Yeah. Uh, it's a little playful thing. It's probably, uh, you know, somewhat soothing, metronome adjacent, you know? Yeah. Uh, keep Keeping the pulse. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You know, I don't, I don't know that I have a ton more to say about what's going on with Ted quite yet. Like, I feel like what's going on with Ted this week is consistent with where we've been with him and really where we left him. And I felt like it's, I, I, you know, suppose like I'm not, I'm not mad that we've seen, you know, that we saw all that we saw this week. Um, and I think that there's certainly utility for it. I don't know that I necessarily needed to see all of this stuff. Um, so I, I wonder, you know, in that regard. Um, I do think that uh, this feels like something that could have been uh, tacked on a little bit late, but maybe we're wrong. I, I have no idea. I, I think the point 
being that like if there is a huge forward momentum development, it's absolutely what's up with Nate. Uh, and it's concerning. It is, it is very concerning um, that Nate is behaving the way that he's behaving, especially by the end of the episode. Um, you know, what he says to Colin is not great. Um, but the way that he, um, the way that like the show like can't like I, I thought it was really interesting the way that they filmed this Antonio that like uh, we're not even looking at Nate reaming at Will, you yeah. know, um, yeah, it's too uncomfortable. We can't even see that. Like right, that, it's right. like this isn't our show. We can't like like that's like showing you like R rated violence on Ted Lasso. Like this is this is tough. We don't want to well, see this. Like famously in Taxi Driver, the Martin Scorsese Robert De Niro joint, uh, he's a very troubled individual, right? And we see ultra violence in that movie, not to spoil anything, but bloody, bloody ultra violence. Right. But there is a moment in the movie where he has a phone conversation that is ostensibly a normal uh, phone conversation that is supposed to be like him completely not connecting with someone. And it gets so awkward that the camera just pans away and looks down the hallway as he continues to have the conversation off screen, because that is the thing that we can't see. Right. Uh, and I th- felt very similar about this thing with Nate, for sure. I mean, with the conversation you're mentioning with Colin, Nate shows him his back for the first, you know, two-thirds of it, right? He won't even turn around. Right. Uh, because Colin's not even worth looking at. That in and of itself says, like, you're not worth looking at. I don't want to see you. Like, that is a thing. But when we as the audience aren't allowed to see a thing that's happening, it sends a very different message. And it makes it seem a lot more horrible. So, um it was it was a lot. It was a lot, and I don't I don't think anybody feels good about it. Like I don't. None of the feedback I've seen on Twitter, uh, anywhere on the internet, uh, on our Discord, like none of that is feedback where everyone's like, "Oh man, Nate's in a great spot." I love How seeing does that. Anyone was, feel good about it? Yeah, you know, no, like everyone feels super bad about it's it. Bad. It, he's yeah. reaming this poor kid out. Like it's already not good. He is saying to uh, to one of the athletes on the team, like that's not okay. Um, but uh, but especially. Especially like the way that he treats Will at the end of it is is uh, is such an escalation when he's already been pretty rough with him throughout the season. And ah uh, man, I'm so I'm so concerned about about where where this is going. Not concerned in the sense that like I don't think that there is like a good plan in place from a writing perspective. Uh, I again trust the process here, um, but I. I I think that this speaks to, you know, um, in like response to, again, uh, I'm going to do like the Higgins like gagging noise every time I have to talk about the Ted Lasso backlash. Uh, uh, but I believe Bill Lawrence, uh, you know, one of the, the developers and creators of the show and executive producers of the show was basically like, keep watching. There is tension this season. And it's like, yeah, man, I feel extraordinarily tense about Nate right now. Um, I, Antonio, am really struggling to see, at least short term, how this has any kind of happy resolution here in season two. I have, I mean, without spoiling anything, I don't even know if I should say this. Uh, I will just say, you can look it up. 
they have uh, referred to this season with a pop cultural touchstone. Are you aware of what Jason Sudeikis referred to this as their season of? No, but I think if people are listening to a Ted Lasso podcast, they're down to hear this. And if they're not, I would say skip ahead a minute. Skip you ahead just, a minute in your in your podcast. One minute. We'll do one full minute. Feed. Thirty uh, seconds, and that's it. I, I will I will watch the clock here. All right. Uh, he basically said it's their Empire Strikes Back. Season. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, there's you know darkness in Empire Strikes Back. We're going to so spoil the hell hand that's gonna lose a hand that he will find out about his father uh which will be a little bit rough probably uh we're gonna get into uh, the real father issues and maybe that's what he meant by it that father issues are going to be put in center stage and there, there's going to be a big uh confrontation in that regard um and i don't know uh we've speculated a lot about ted we've seen it on display with nate so that's possible i guess but Ultimately, they said it in the context of this show. Um, the Dark Forest doesn't come along at the beginning, and it's not there for the end. Uh, it's there smack dab in the middle, and Ted tells the team, and I guess there by the audience, that this is their Dark Forest moment, that they're in the Dark Forest right now. So I think it's important to trust the process and keep that in mind, right? Like, the show has told us this is their Dark Forest uh, moment. This is their That's where they're at right now. Um, but they have told us that that happens in the middle of things, not at the beginning or the end. And we know it's a three season plan. So if this is the dark forest season and some, and some difficult things are going to still happen, um, it doesn't mean that we're going to end up that way. Uh, and I think we will have good things to come. I guess we'll be dancing with Ewoks, uh, soon to come, Josh. Oh my God. Yup, nub. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm trying to think of like, uh, I'm trying to think of where where we're going with this. I mean, I think that there is a there's a very important conversation that the show is having about like um you know, a guy like Nate who was shown so much unexpected respect and like uh appreciation as a human being by the coach of AFC Richmond, right? Um that he he has this person um, not only ask for his name, but he remembers it. And his story across that season is becoming uh, taken so seriously that he is given uh, a position on on the coaching staff. And that's happening really quickly. And um, I don't know if the message here or the thing to explore here is necessarily like uh, like that wasn't a good thing to do, but are there like other parts of the process that have been unchecked as it regards Ted and Nate? Um, I guess, yeah, you know, like I think like they've, they've, they've let a lot of, they've witnessed a lot of Nate's behavior. Uh, and until this one where beard says what he says to Nate, uh, like it hasn't really come up in a, in a very direct way. The Ted part is very important yes. because that's Nate's first question to beard. When beard confronts him is you didn't tell Ted, did you? Uh, and as we have seen throughout this season, Ted laughs when Nate says, we need a big dog to talk to Isaac. I'll do it. And Ted laughs right in his face. And Ted's like, oh, you were being serious. Did you know that beard? And Beard's like, yeah, man. Uh, so Ted is doing that. A lot of this is happening while Ted is asleep at the wheel. And I think it's a small thing. But in this episode, when Ted witnesses Nate apologize to the team and Ted says, I feel like I missed something, um, Ted's metaphor that he uses is like, this is when you leave the stove on and you pass out too early after having too many beers while watching Citizen Kane, like such a specific reference that it's clear that it has happened. 
and I think it speaks to Ted being asleep at the wheel. Uh, maybe Ted leaning into the substance abuse. Like all the things that we know have been happening with Ted uh, mean that Ted has not been there meaningfully uh, to capitalize or to build on um, what he was building with Nate in season one. And we saw a look at this in season one, right? When Ned is trying to sign, uh, or when Ned, when Nate is trying to slide the thoughts from the team talk under the door um, in in the episode Make Rebecca Great Again uh, when they're in Liverpool and Ted is a little bit drunk and a little bit ha- harried about the divorce and he shouts at Nate and screams at him and Nate runs away scared. Like we've seen what a negative relationship between Ted and Nate can look like. It has happened on this show and I think it's happening right now um, with Ted's lack of oversight and management. Nate bullying Will so much at the, or the beginning of the season and Ted not doing anything about yeah. it. Ted's hands-off, hands-off style in season one when it was Nate being bullied ted had a plan to make roy take care of it i don't know if ted has a plan this time around i think this might actually just be dereliction of duty and not that he has some grand plan where beard and nate will figure out nate's issues on their own without ted needing to step in like i definitely think this is a a product i mean nate stepping up and being nate the great the wonder kid was only because of ted's issues was only because ted ran off the pitch in fear uh or sorry in panic uh so I, I think ultimately this is a, there, a lot of what's happening with Nate has to be cast along what's happening with Nate For sure. and Ted, which is about what's happening with Ted. So that's conflict, man. That's conflict. That's right here in the season. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think like it, this is, you know, Nate continues to behave this way. Uh, and if it escalates beyond the latest escalation, which you imagine it very well could considering we are up, through episode seven of 12, you know, we still got some road here. Um, that like, does Nate have a job here at the end of the season type of a deal, you know? And like, what is Ted's role in, in that? Like, are, are there, you know, there, it's not a question. There are lines that you can't uncross, right? Like, you know, there are, there are certain things that you can't like get pep talked out of. You know, you can't like pep talk your way out of certain bad behavior. Uh, like that's just not an option. Um, and I'm concerned. I'm I'm very nervous about that. And I think like the way that 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 runs in tandem with Ted himself feeling a bit adrift. And if for him, like if the real success for Ted is less about like the win loss record uh, in, in terms of like how the team is actually performing out there in the sport and is more about like the win loss record in terms of the culture of AFC Richmond, this is a huge, huge loss that is happening right now that he seems to be completely unaware of. And it's it's got potential to be like very, very, very prickly the further down the field we get with both of these characters. Definitely. Uh, especially because you can see that for Nate, it isn't that he resorts to being, um, let's just say, a little bit harsh or a little bit like the banter that he delivers on the field when he says in front of the guys, like, I benched your ass the other day, Colin, like... The, the team all was like, ooh, you know, like Nate snapped on him. That's the way it goes. And that's sort of how they responded to his uh, locker room talk in season one. Right. Uh, just like, oh, yeah, he's got Nate's got he's got banter. Like Nate has the ability to cut at us. And it, there's a little bit of respect that comes with that. It's just like, OK, you can you can take it, but you can dish it out like we're all on the same page here. But then how personal he gets sometimes and how quickly he can get to that personal and in the wrong context 
it can it can seem like it's really headed in a bad direction. So that's the part that I think is the most concerning. When you said, you know, could this end with Nate losing his job? I hadn't actually thought of that. I would I will say when he was scrolling through his mentions on Twitter, I thought he was going to slide into the DMs. And I thought, okay, here's a guy who's been thirsty. He's been thirsty for the adulation. For him, in in the way he's described it, that often comes hand in hand with the romantic adulation. I mean, I would think I think it's a little fair probably to call Nate an incel. Uh, and in that uh that word contains a lot of toxic, uh wrapped up, difficult thoughts uh to embrace or to confront, especially for a character that we love. Um it's a lot easier to play a role like that. Or a character like that when they're being played for love and they're being played for kindness. When you lean into the darkness and the toxic nature of that, I think it becomes difficult. And I do think that that's out there with Nate. That's always been something that he's articulated. When he burns his most important item in season one, it's a pair of sunglasses that a woman once complimented him while he was wearing. Like, that's the most important thing he's got to burn. I don't think this is because Nate's a shallow guy. I think it's because Nate is a guy who desperately needs validation. He's not getting it at home. Um, so when he gets a taste of it, it's not surprising to me that it goes to his head. Uh, I just thought it might go to his head in a slightly different way. Um, but clearly the way it's going to his head is to be really difficult with how he uses his power, um, and really gross. So I, that's the sort of thing that you can definitely imagine as you're saying does not end well. Um, I don't know what else it could, what else it could take. My assumption was at some point that Nate would be publicly blasting Ted Lasso, uh, I thought that might happen really right after that match um, when Nate kind of took the stage there after Ted walked off. I really thought there was a possibility in his post-match presser that Nate would really put Ted Lasso on blast and say, you know, we don't need Ted to win. Like, this isn't about Ted Lasso. He just sort of poo-pooed and said, I think it was food poisoning or something. He didn't really get into it. But you could foresee a situation where the darker this gets, the more yes. likely it is that Nate uses that platform to really blast the internal issues at AFC Richmond. Um, so that's a part where ultimately, like I said, it's fruit of the poison tree that is Ted's issues uh, and that 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 flows and grows from uh, the divide that is created because of Ted's problems. Uh, but uh, it is nonetheless a team problem, a Nate problem, an everyone problem, and not just a Ted problem, regardless of how or where it started. But I think you're really right to localize that with Ted and Nate, because I just don't think one exists without the other. We yeah. saw Ted be such a positive influence with Nate in season one. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, if that's like, if that, like, uh, attention to detail is no longer there, you know, like, yeah, it's leadership. The leadership is no longer there. Right. Right. So I think, I think that that's obviously very problematic. And I, I feel like there's a, a lot of different directions this could go, uh, that this could be, you know, um, something that doesn't have such like a drastically, uh, you know, climactic ending that maybe that there it's not too late. Uh, but I think that like, it is a real credit to the show that, there is this feeling of tension of like what's going on with Nate is not that great. Right. Like, you know, this, this feeling of like Nate, the not so great right now is not something that I think like any Ted Lasso fan, like any true Ted Lasso fan is like, uh, like, uh, like, 
marking with like with with any level of relish you know like i don't think anyone is uh the edible kind or you yeah. know like <laughs> of course you let, you knew what i was talking I know, about i yeah, heard yeah. it i'm I a heard. mustard man <laughs> i was trying really hard to phrase it differently because i knew that we just wouldn't be able to say with relish without talking about condiments uh <laughs> I don't think that any, is my TED talk. I don't think anyone is psyched about this. You know what I mean? Like no one is happy about this. We're concerned for this fictional character, right? You know, like I think people really like Nate. He was a character who, like his growth arc across season one, was uh, so so wonderful to watch. Um, and so that we're going into this direction, it's not unearned. It's not without precedent. It's not without a lot of um, work underneath it to get us here. Uh, I think it is a, a, an acknowledgement, uh, as it as it very much is in Ted's storyline as well, that you don't just promote somebody and now they live happily ever after. Like the the process of being a healthy human being is lifelong maintenance. You know, yes. like this is a you don't like do a thing and now it's fixed forever. You do a thing and then you probably are going to have to do another thing and then a thing after that. And you're probably going to have to be doing a lot of these things simultaneously. And it's exhausting. Uh, I don't know why I'm even saying this because we all know that. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating that a, that a show that has the uplifting, positive, yeah. like pure vibe of Ted Lasso can get into this in a subtle and specific way like they're doing with Nate and be so effective about it. Right. In, in a way it's like, you know, making you laugh so that your belly is exposed and then sliding yes. a knife in between your ribs. Like Correct. they're really getting there with that. And it, it, they're setting, I mean, I do think the show does a fantastic job of setting the stage for this sort of thing. I mean, we can talk about every Nate scene and really map it out along this, this journey. Uh, and I know probably everybody in this day and age is getting sick of data visualizations, but it would be a very interesting chart, right, of peaks and valleys with Nate. Uh, and where we're at right now is a deep, deep valley. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the X or Y axis. I can't remember, but we're well below the line. Uh, and it's it, it just you have to remember like a couple of episodes ago when Nate had no confidence about getting that table and Rebecca and Keely were in that moment. And, and Rebecca helps Nate realize like, you just have to kind of buck up and say like, I can get whatever I want. I know who I am. And she basically says like, uh, you deserve whatever you want. Don't back down. And like, that seems to be the sort of line that you feed to the wrong person at the wrong time. And you create an evil villain, uh, like, um, like just an evil, like a true mastermind. And if you walk around as your Nate right now in the position that he's in, having been gassed by all the positive feedback, uh, and been like just completely triggered by one negative tweet, don't back down. You deserve whatever you want. Like that is the kind of mentality that leads you to barge into Will's office and treat him the way that he did. So the, the good advice they gave Nate that helped him get the table can also be bad advice uh, when it comes to Nate making his way through difficult times. And that's why the maintenance is important yeah. because it isn't just about this one fix and you use the wrench to tighten this thing up and all of a sudden you can get a table and you can do well in a match and you're fixed. No, it's maintenance. Like you might have over tightened this screw here and you might have not put yourself in a position where things are going to be fixed so i love that we're seeing that with nate even though that i hate that we're seeing that with nate yeah yeah i don't like it i don't like it like i'm not mad at the show for going here like that's no a, you know it, it's like very important to like uh clarify that line i think it is like uh the show 
the show's intentions right now are working. You know, like that's the thing. It's like I think what the show is aiming for right now, yeah, they're they're hitting you right where they're trying to, or at least they are with me. Um, I I really don't I, I really don't feel good about it, but that's what they want. Can um, I ask you? We talked about the father issues. I want to know. We know that Nate's in a bad way right now, and we know that it owes in no small part from what the show has shown us to his inability to please his father. Right. Like even in this moment where Nate is on the back page of the newspaper, fixture, featured prominently, Wonder Kid, all of it. His mom knows it. Nate is just showing up with flowers, happy, clearly is showing up to get praise. His father will not give it out and instead just basically says they say humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less in a different milieu or in a different moment. I feel like that would have been really good advice to Nate. But in yeah. that moment, it is so crushing. Is Nate's dad the the key to all this? And is there a world where you feel like this gets fixed in some way by Nate coming to a better relationship or understanding with his father? Well, I think that the show has given us a lot uh, to chew on as we have been talking about all season long uh, about all the best Cowboys having daddy issues. What's up, Jay Wilpon? You know, like I feel like uh, that is that is like very much on the mind of the show. And it is certainly no coincidence that we are um, framing this episode with like Nate's, um, um, you know, actions at the end of it. Uh, and we're framing that against uh, his father having like no reaction to the Wonder Kid, you know, Um I don't know if that's going to be the thing that cures Nate is like a better relationship with his father or like, a, you know, like the two of them living happily ever after or whatever, you know, unfortunately this is yet another thing where like, uh, for, for many of us out there in the world, you have to like come to like your own measure of peace with your relationship with your parent. And it might not be like the talk that goes well. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's your outlook. It's, it's, you know, it's this, it's that, it's how you're moving on in your life and, um, in, in conversation with the idea of your parent. Or, unfortunately, in the case of many people, it's an unresolved issue forever. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, maybe you don't, you don't get the chance. Uh, maybe you don't take the chance. Uh, or even like, regardless of like, I, I even mean it less about like, you getting to sit across from that person and be like, well, this is the stuff and let's do this right now. Some people can't even, um, you know, like reckon with the ghost, right? Yeah. Like this happens. It's horrible. It's terrible. Well, yeah. You shouted out, uh, Jay, who is watching lost, uh, in the, all the best Cowboys have daddy issues being a significant part of the first season of lost. But over the course of the whole series, obviously father issues, be it with Anthony Cooper or otherwise really are uh, center stage for a lot of the characters, uh, because these are real issues. Like these are the things that we all carry around with us. Uh, the legacy issues or how not even realize I think how our worldview can be impacted by um, what uh, we're carrying around as a result of the way we were raised or our upbringing or our relationships with those people. So it is not shocking in any way um, that this is what is fueling a lot of what's happening. Nate's lack of confidence, I think, is 
is ultimately what we've noticed about his character most and what they've really put uh, at center stage. And his lack of confidence does seem to come directly from the lack of approval from his father. His mother is so doting, so kind, so loving. It doesn't matter. Like he probably takes that for granted in some ways because it's not what he wants. He wants it from his dad. I think his dad recognizes this and won't give it to him. And there was the wry smile when Nate got the table. And even though Nate's dad, you know, Nate, Nate's dad recognized that he was able to pull this move for them. He sort of said, I'm not a dog. I don't need to be whistled at. But you could tell. And in that moment, he was a little bit impressed. The fact that Nate pulled that off. But I'm not sure if Nate saw it. And I definitely know Nate doesn't feel it. And Nate needs it. So I do wonder if the resolution in the context of this show is not going to be so open ended like you describe in life. And if it will be a little more. Ted cannot resolve anything that he has with his father. We know that that's been taken off the table for right. Ted, right? We know that the issues with Jamie and his dad probably aren't going to be resolved. I do feel like there's a world where the issues with Nate and his father uh, are a little more resolved, and that maybe is the thing that helps Nate find the confidence that he's lacked. Um, it isn't some external force. It isn't some deus ex machina. It's fixing a problem with the machine that we already know exists, uh, and therefore it's not something that they have to drop in, like a relationship or somebody that quote-unquote saves Nate. Nate saves Nate in part because he confronts his father. Um, maybe that comes from dealing with Dr. Fieldstone. Do you feel like Nate's headed to therapy at a minimum? Uh, I hope so. Uh, that could be the kind of thing where you could imagine therapy being something that is helpful for Ted. And this is a way to like combine all of these stories that perhaps it is Ted who recognizes yes. that he doesn't have what Nate needs, that what Nate needs needs to come from somewhere else and that Ted can only do so much. Um, and could it be Ted that urges Nate towards something like that? Um and and combines uh, the storylines. Uh, that's something that I could imagine happening, but we've got some work to 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 do to to get to that point. And unfortunately, I don't know. Like, uh, depending on how Nate's dealings with his colleagues um, continues, uh, he may not get that chance. Yeah, I'm concerned yeah. about that. I am, yeah. and I uh, we've gone a really long time here on this podcast without saying the words Nick Muhammad. I feel like uh, this week, and he's just excellent. Uh, this is a probably a really scary character arc for an actor to play. Like, I think it's also like the kind of thing that like you, <laughs> damn it, you relish this opportunity. You know, uh, mm. <laughs> is that sweet relish or dill relish, whatever or? you want. Okay, I like a hot and spicy, <laughs> a lot of high, sweet and hot. Yeah, you know, uh, you 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 want this as an actor. You want the conflict. You want the challenge. Uh, you want to. You want like the meaty storyline. Um, and at the same time, on a show like this, that really is about like the like the you know, in many ways, it, it's not a dissimilar reaction to like the way in which. We lionize these people on Twitter, you know, tweet about Roy Kent and look at your optics. Oh, my God. You know, look at your stats uh, and look at the kind of like love that a lot of these characters get. And to now be somebody who's a prominent character on the show who is emerging as a primary antagonist. I don't know. I hate like assigning those words to a show like Ted Lasso, but uh whatever you know for for lack of better immediately available to my brain terminology you know that's where we'll go um it's got to be it's got to be frightening and i and i think that he is um 
I think as an actor, he's just really, uh, he's demonstrating um, exceptional commitment to what's going on with the character as per the writing. Uh, and I'm I'm really impressed with him. I'm really, really, really impressed with the work that he's done this season. You know, he's a great character in season one. Um, he's a, a dangerous character right now. But I think that, you know, when we're talking about so many of the different people on the show and just the great jobs by so many of the different actors and like Hannah Waddingham as a queen type stuff, you know, like I feel like we we really cannot overlook the fact that Nick Muhammad has a really difficult job this season. And I think that he's doing it spectacularly well. I completely agree. It does it definitely, I think, has uh, the fact that he's a writer as well, I think really probably helps with the character work, I think he, he's probably really focused on the arc of the character, um, where things started, where things will head, uh, in what direction and, and all of that. My understanding, um, just from the past is that they had all that stuff pretty well mapped out, uh, over the course of season one, where the characters would go from, uh, season one and beyond. So this Nate stuff has probably been in, uh, the, the realm since the beginning of the show. Like they probably knew where this character was heading. I don't believe this is something that they decided after season one was written. So I do think that that comes into the performance. Uh, he knows where, where the character is headed. Uh, as we've said, as far as speculation goes, like, it's interesting to me that he and Ted just aren't on the same page. Like, I feel like the last time we saw them together, just the two of them was probably in season one at some point. Um, maybe it was in the, the Liverpool episode. Uh, might have been after that when Nate got promoted. I can't remember, but I don't think we've seen them just the two of them together in this season. And we talked about how Ted being somewhat asleep at the wheel is impacting other characters besides Ted. We haven't seen a ton of the practical reality of that. In terms of relegation, like we haven't seen players having to take pay cuts, people having to be sold away from the team because they can't afford it. We lost a sponsor. We don't even know necessarily why. Uh, and if you want to map that to the way Ted managed and handled uh, the Jamie situation uh, with Sam and giving Sam, making Sam feel like he should have a voice because uh, Ted didn't feel like he could uh, adequately manage or speak for Sam in every way. Um, he wanted to empower these, uh, these players and the people around him to be who they wanted to be. And that's fine if, if their motives are pure. But in Nate's case, I'm not sure Ted realizes how broken Nate is, how much that needs to be fixed. And Ted's dereliction and the lack of connection between Ted and Nate seems very paramount and seems planned. And it does seem part of an arc. Uh, Nick Muhammad is playing it so well. So it will be interesting to me to see where it goes. Like I was saying, is it, I know Tate, I, we, we joke, we'd made the joke a uh, reference a couple of episodes ago when Ted finished the, what is a British owl say joke about how that came from a time when Nate and beard were very angry with Ted for not taking them seriously. That Roy needed to be benched because they were worried about relegation. The most drama we've ever seen between beard and Ted, the most conflict we've ever seen between the two of them was when Ted refused to learn or care about what winning meant in the context of relegation and how they couldn't be relegated. And Ted's refusal to embrace that approach um, really did to lead to them being relegated. So I can't imagine that Nate respects Ted so much, but he is that father figure that Nate craves approval from. So that's the relationship I'm most interested at this point with Nate yeah. to see where it ends up because you could really see him selling out Ted. Like I said, I really thought he was going to put him on blast. Um, I don't know. Does this lead to Nate 
trying to undermine the team so that Ted thinking, will get fired? I was thinking that that, uh, you know, just in terms of like things that are on the table, you know, we've, we say like we're done with the prediction game and then we just do it anyway. Yeah, uh, what the hell? What else are we going to talk about condiments? <laughs> who gives a shit? Uh, talk about the New York State governor election? You know, there are, there are, there are things that can happen, right? Like he could, he could try and undermine the thing. He thinks he's better than Ted. He's the wonder kid. He should be coaching AFC Richmond. Um, Those are the headlines. I mean, that's what he's seeing and listening to. He's listening to people saying Nate's ready for his own team. The headlines are like Nate's ready for his own team. There's yeah, there's like stuff like that. There could be like that could lead to some conflict and that could explode one way or the other. Either he's, you know, uh, like he's listened to in this regard and Ted sucks enough that like Ted leaves or whatever um, that he successfully undermines him. And he's coaching AFC Richmond and season three has to be an East Dillon Lions sort of situation or whatever. Um, Or like other possibilities are um, someone else uh, on a different team looks at Nate and wants Nate to be their coach and Nate leaves and Nate uh, is like the Jamie Tart to the coaching staff, you know, uh, and, and, and getting out of here and is, uh, is going to be picked up by somewhere else. Right. And doesn't have like, the good influences as inattentive as they might be right now. Um, you know, that's a possibility. Other possibility is Nate just does some stuff. That's like, just so untoward. He has to get fired, you know? Um, these are the, I, I think like some version of like Nate being the coach of another team or Nate doing something untoward enough that gets him fired. Where like, you just can't walk that back. Like, it's not that like you can't live a good life and you can't make up for this. And like, you can't be okay in other capacities moving forward, but you can't stay here type of deal. Uh, like those are the two that I think are most on the tip of my mind as far as where we might be going with, with Nate. I mean, you know, free, like if past is prologue, you know, Ted Lasso as a show often finds a way where like Ted Lasso as a show could find the way, where we have a happier ending with Nate. Um, sure. I'm just really worried that that's not where we're going to go. I, I don't think it is. Uh, I mean, I think it could be in the third season. Yeah. I don't think it is in the second season, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think we're probably going to end this season with Nate in a very bad place vis-a-vis uh, AFC Richmond. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like but, it. But, I mean, this is the guy who in the very first episode, in one of the kind of funnier, subtle jokes of the series, when Ted and Beard first come to AFC Richmond and stand on the pitch, uh, and Nate screams and runs across the entire pitch saying, stay off the grass, doing who knows what damage to the grass in the process. Right. Uh, that This is the guy who will literally like cut off his nose to spite his face in that regard. Yep. Um, totally. And will do bad things to Richmond uh, in the in the name of trying to protect Richmond. So uh, I, what that looks like when he's in a dark place and when he could get negative feedback uh, or positive feedback that will gas him up and make him feel like he can do it. And then negative feedback that is the spark that strikes that gas. Uh, I don't, I don't like what that looks like for the rest of the season, especially now as we're starting to get into uh, the late summer here, Josh, uh, both literally and figuratively, like we're, you know, we only have five episodes left. So uh, I just don't know that we're going to get there uh, on a positive way with Nate before the end. There's just a lot of foreboding things happening. Um, speaking of foreboding things, I want to change track a little bit, unless you have anything else you want to say about I don't. Nate. Nope. Yeah. Um, 
do you, you know, you said you think bad things are coming. Uh, I don't think bad things are coming with regard to Roy and Keely. Are you yes, on the same page about this? We said it was wrapped up. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is part of a larger narrative about how they're going to not work. I think this is part of a larger narrative about how and why they do work. Um, so I just don't think we're going anywhere negative with that. I, I know the Ted stuff is probably going to get darker before we get lighter, but I just, I think we've probably seen the worst moments of Ted, uh, for this season in terms of like that I don't how know. bad it gets. You think it's going to get worse for Ted? There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of roads still to travel this season with, with Roy and Keeley. I'm, I'm less concerned. Um, with Ted as a character, he's the main character. Like he's going to have to be in the heart of a lot of this conflict. And I think like, some of that reckoning that may be coming as, as it pertains to Nate um, could be particularly dark for Ted to have to face and weather. Like uh, that's true. That's true. Like we we don't think that we're leaving season two without seeing Ted Lasso cry. No way. Like that dude's crying by the end of the season, which could be cathartic and good. Yeah, for sure. He may be crying by the end of next episode. I feel like you know, but like there, like he is. Uh, uh you know his his fists are clenched right now you know forget like the 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 roy kent like filled with fury stuff like there is a, like ted is a is a bomb waiting to go off you know it was really it i, I this does bear mentioning it was like it was really really tense that second therapy scene yeah oh yeah jason sudeikis is great like he really is excellent and obviously he has a lot of personal experience recent personal experience to tap into with a lot of stuff about this character such that uh, people have speculated like how much is life imitating art art imitating life. But uh, at the very, at bare minimum, like he's really good at turning this up. I mean, one of his famous SNL characters was the asshole just chomping gum and being an asshole, right? Like, Sudeikis is able to play this goofy uh, puppy dog of Ted Lasso, but we know he's able to play the, the the prick or the asshole. Like we know he's got that level in him, and to see a little bit of that with, with his what I would say is an exceptionally immature rant, um, something that I probably thought when I was like fifteen about therapy or about people. Well, since you're being paid to do a job, you don't care, you know, like. That is such an immature view of the world. Uh, and the way he expressed it as an adult uh, was so full of anger. Uh, such a good, tense moment. Um, really good to map those three scenes, for sure. Uh, and to see how those three scenes, you know, in, in sequence really played out. But he was exceptional in that scene. Uh, and that was tapping into something very angry, very real, right? Uh, like that was there for the character, Ted Lasso. Uh, he's angry about a lot, uh, and he feels burned and feels lied to. Uh, and he also knows that it's wrong in some way and that it is a defense because when he is put on blast about it, that is ultimately what really works. Like that's what fixes the hostility or the anger between them that she is able to call him out for it, point out why it's wrong. And he knows that she's right about that um, makes that third scene so good that it couldn't work without the tension of the second one. But uh, I just think as far as darkness goes, I do think that, you know, I agree with you that he could be seeing some more difficult moments, but I feel like he's going to find them uh, armed with support that he was rejecting before or not seeking before. And to me, that means he's in a better place than he was when he walked off that pitch against Tottenham. So that's what I meant by it's not going to get worse for Ted. Like, I think we've, I feel like the fact that he is actively receiving support means that he's in a better place than he was when he walked off the pitch. Um, I can't say though that the scene with Trent Krim, like that's coming back, right? Yeah, I would expect so. I would expect so for sure. 
even if it's just him owning up to that lie and meeting with Trent later and really doing an expose and breaking down how all that played out. Um, I just, I feel like that's coming back. I guess it could come back in a more negative way and there could be something more difficult to deal with. I mean, Nate, does Nate know why Ted ran off the pitch? I guess, I guess he doesn't, right? No, I don't think so. I don't, so I mean, he, as far as we can tell, does, does beard. It's a good question. Uh, that's what we talked about with the beard and Jane of it all, right? Last episode, uh, or two episodes ago, I can't remember which, I guess it was last episode. Uh, beard says like, I'll check on Ted. I'm sure he's fine. And then we see beard leave with Jane, uh, and Ted's nowhere to be found. That's not exactly support. We talked about how beard being, uh, connected with Jane in the way that he is and how it is so deep and so personal in the way that it is has made beard maybe not always there for Ted. We've talked about the moments where beard is absent from Ted. It is because of Jane. So I don't know if beard even knows. I suspect that beard suspects, uh, whether he knows or not. I don't know. Dr. Sharon knows. I don't know if anyone else knows. Rebecca probably knows or at least suspects. I'm just a little concerned if Nate finds that out. Uh, is that the thing yeah. that he chooses to expose? Right. Um, the Tottenham situation. Like, if, if that's the thing, that could be difficult. Like, I, I, so that's, that's the thing I'm not sure about. And, you know, I don't know, um, how we can rank the microaggressions, like letting Higgins use Nate's office without asking Nate, right? Like, I don't know where we can position those, but all you, you stack all of them up. You can easily see how if Nate found that out about Ted, it could be weaponized very quickly. Right. And then that's where the Trent Krim could come into it. Yeah. Here's the thing, too, is like, so we've seen Ted have a panic attack twice on the show now, right? Like, we've seen yes. two, two serious panic attacks for Ted. And relatively speaking... Um, they've resolved, uh, relatively well, uh, in the moments, right? Like he receives immediate support from, from Rebecca. She shows up. He has a friend. She helps him breathe. She has a one night stand. She gives him cover of night to get out of there. And then, yeah, that later that evening, he has a one night stand. (laughs) He does also get divorced at some point in there, but go on. I'm, I'm with you on this. You know, uh, so like, like the relative, like immediate (laughs) aftermath of that, you know, is, is not five stars. Uh, not awful. Uh, with the second one. The team wins. No one is really questioning what's going on with him in a major way other than what we see with Trent this week, uh, which was uncomfortable for sure. Uncomfy. Uh, And he goes into therapy and uh, begins uh, having something of a support structure in that regard. Um, They like, they, the point being that like the incidents kind of like calm down and resolve without like, major public explosive incident or him like making um like massively bad decisions in the aftermath or in the in the moment of having a panic attack um but just checking into therapy is not curing this thing you know like just starting these conversations especially uh with sharon is not going to fix it and if anything just from my own experience of like beginning the process of like really uh, vividly engaging this stuff can exacerbate it. Um, and so on the panic attack tip, um, I, I feel like there is, uh, there is more, uh, there is more to explore here. There are, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 
concerned that there are there may be an inevitability to seeing another attack uh and that he i don't want to i'm I'm a little i don't love how i'm phrasing it but like it may not go as well uh the next time you know like uh it, it you know if he's if it happens during an interview during a press conference um which not for nothing you think back to that first press conference of the whole show uh where he spits out the sparkling water and everything like that um and in the the wake of everything else does not play nearly as comedically as it did back then um i'm concerned i'm concerned for you know let's call it panic attack three and what that might look like and where that might occur and how ted might react and um what he may need to 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 clean up as a result I guess I am too. I, I, I sort of feel like the, the big hurdle for Ted was getting in, was asking for help. And that now that he's cleared that hurdle, I mean, I'm repeating myself, but I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I agree that things could go badly for Ted. I just feel like he's in a much better place than he ever was, uh, before. It's not to say that he's fixed and it's not to say that bad things won't happen. It's just that he now can get the support that he needs to help him through those bad things, which to me means he's fundamentally better off than he was when he didn't have it. And I, I, I would also place some of the same uh, markers out there and basically say the Christmas episode with Rebecca, like he has people that he knows he can lean on for support. Yeah. Uh, this is this is just a different situation. It doesn't mean, I mean, even after he received that support from Rebecca, he still had the panic attack at the football stadium because, you know, as it turns out, wanting to feel better is not enough. Like, Obviously, it, like you said, maintenance is work, like, and it is ongoing. I just feel like since he now knows where the mechanic is, he's in a better position than he was when he didn't even believe in mechanics. So, um, that's the part I do feel more uplifted about this particular episode with regard to where Ted is now than I did before. And I do feel like, okay, whatever happens, I feel like Ted's going to get through it, which of course I probably could have always felt because this is the show, Ted Lasso, and this is a show that seems to say that. You know, if you lean into the positivity, if you walk on with hope in your heart, you'll never walk alone. Like I, that's why we end the season the way we do in season one. But I still feel like, uh, I still feel like the, the worst stuff that's going to happen may not really center around Ted, even if we do have more difficult Ted moments to come, which surely are coming. What about this is out of left field, but I've seen it enough online that I want you to address it because you will sometimes hairball your way out of these things or you're so you will sometimes buy in yeah people believe that one of the big foreboding things that's happening on ted lasso is the higgins family relationship that something bad is coming in that regard because it keeps being brought up as something good um do you have do you put any stock in that whatsoever uh at the risk of what did you say we expose our belly to get stabbed in the ribs by <laughs> yes. the show yeah at, at the risk of exposing my considerable belly uh no i put no stock in that yeah i i don't really either i understand why people are worried because this is a television show and you check off your way through these things but and there's no doubt that the higgins relationship continues including in this episode to be mentioned to be highlighted to be brought up as a source of positivity and positive energy but uh, that doesn't mean that something negative is going to happen. This is Ted Lasso, after all. It doesn't have to be that everything has a sense of foreboding or negativity. I think there's some residual 
foreboding or negative energy from some of these other storylines bleeding into people's interpretations of that. I don't think it means something bad is happening uh, for the Higgins family. I mean, if you map that out, the the, the reality of it is uh, they have a good relationship. So I don't think the bad thing that could happen would be one of them leaving the other. Uh, the only thing that could happen would be something tragic happening. And I just don't see that. Yeah. Uh, I don't see why the show would want to do that. It just no. seems like too much. And it's, I don't see the, the grist that they would get from doing that. It's so far off my radar that I didn't even know it was on anybody's radar. Well, uh, and that's why I wanted you to yeah. address it so that we can be, be done with it. Uh, totally. What about with Rebecca and Sam? Uh, that we moved the needle cute. a little bit this episode. No, we had a little cute. cute. Yeah. It's cute. Any more positive energy or... I mean, the whole team is involved now and invested in this uh, mystery message that Sam is sending. I mean, they are crowding him around. They are invested in the three dots. Um, That can't be good, right? Uh, Why would it be necessarily awful? Well, there's just... There's going to... In a world where Sam and Rebecca acknowledge this, they meet up, the two of them know, there's going to be a lot of people now invested in finding this out. It's not something that they can easily like bypass or or hand wave away. Like People want to know. They are invested in this. There's popcorn being eaten. So tea will have to be spilled later. Uh, And I just don't know. um, I don't know if that just impacts any potential relationship that they would have by the result of all those people invested, all their coworkers are in on it. I don't know. I just feel like that could be bad. Uh, I just, if you want to talk about a sense of foreboding, I mean, we talked about how do we bring Rupert back into the show? Do we even want Rupert back in the show? Why didn't we really have a resolution to the Dubai air plot line? You can imagine a world as we've talked about in this podcast where the Sam and Rebecca of it all becomes news uh, and Rupert gets involved. Maybe the Dubai air thing comes back at that point because Sam was so clearly involved in that and Rebecca was so clearly involved in that. And even though they weren't in a relationship then, how would people read that or right, map right, that? Right. Like That's the negative energy I feel like is coming uh, for them. I don't know that this episode changed my feelings about that one way or the other. I'm definitely still worried uh, about like how Rupert fits into it, uh, as we were talking about, I believe last week. Um, yeah, yeah that like there is, there is, uh, there is a yellow brick road that you could walk from, from Rupert to, to Sam and Rebecca that, uh, takes you to some bad places. Uh, <laughs> don't eat the apples from the tree, you know, yes. like, uh, I'm worried about that. Um, Oil can. Oil can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not, if you have Roy could use that. Uh, <laughs> he could use a whistle too, Josh. <laughs> whistle. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people enjoyed um, Jamie being the one. This is from Tessa. Uh, Tessa had writ- written and said, uh, "I loved Jamie being the one who secondhandedly gave Roy the perfect relationship advice for his fight with Keely." How did you feel about that, uh, Antonio? Just sort of like. Um, I don't know, like sort of like the way that Jamie is utilized in this episode as far as the show's attitude towards Jamie Tart right now. The only thing that um, triggers me a little bit is when Jamie shows up in the boot room when they're all having their Roy sure, sesh. Yes, yeah. Fair. It's just like I don't need Roy to Jamie to be actively involved in the Roy and Keeley situation. I don't need that. I don't want it. It makes me feel negative things. I don't. I don't need that and want it. I don't think the show's going to do anything about that. But that's a thing that the show has done something with in the past, and it was an issue with Roy and Keeley in the past in the Diamond Dogs episode. So. 
Is it a thing that comes back? I really hope not. I love otherwise the deploying of Jamie and the way they did when he walks in. He's asking if you can take his name off his jersey and put it back on, but bigger. Hilarious. Like very funny thing for Jamie Tart to be asking. And then of course, I, I think it's really funny that Jamie is the one uh, unintentionally. I didn't even say anything wrong that time. Like I just, that was not a good Mancunian accent. I apologize. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. And Roy hated it, which also made me love it. You know, just Roy screaming profanity about it of all the people uh, to help Roy have that epiphany that it's Jamie Tart uh, is great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, J- Roy wants Jamie to die of the incurable condition of being a little bitch. And here's Jamie right. telling Roy, I got to give him space. You know, you got I had to give him space. The best thing I could do. Pep coached me. Believe me, I know. Uh, so I, I think that that's, uh, I was great. I love that. I love Jamie Tart in this season. He's really funny. This sort of wounded, messed up superstar guy who, uh, who is trying to find his own way and still capable of being Jamie Tart, uh, in all the ways that he is Jamie Tart. I love that. Yeah. Uh, any other free kicks you want to get into before we close out? Uh, Speaking of the Jamie and Roy scene there, uh, very funny soccer joke, a football joke. Uh, when Jamie mentions that he was coached by Pep, Pep is the coach. Pep Guardiola, uh, is Joseph, uh, Pep Guardiola is the coach of Manchester City, uh, but also famously, um, has coached at some of the top clubs in the world and is considered to be a tactical wizard. Uh, but the Dutch, uh, Jan Moss there points out that a lot of Pep's tactics were borrowed from the Dutch legend. Uh, who, if you're pronouncing it in the English way, you would call Johan Cruyff, uh, famous for not only his coaching, but the Cruyff turn, a uh, famous move on the football pitch. Um, but the Dutch pronunciation, of course, is different, and Jan Moss puts that on blast. I really like that. It's one of those throwaway jokes they sometimes have, like all of the out-of-work managers who have been calling uh, AFC Richmond, waiting to see if Ted will be sacked, uh, and some of the actual pundits that they're using. This is another uh, fun, like uh, Cruyff versus uh, Cruyff versus Cruyff um kind of thing so very funny there um the groundhog day opening with yeah, the i got you babe yeah sure you sure like sure, sure. Yeah. um uh i well, i think it definitely got me in the headspace uh no pun intended uh of where we were going with the roy and keely story for this episode which is this idea of like every day is the every day is just the damn same thing yep ssdd yep. you know so like uh he's and roy kent would uh, not just punch uh, what's his face Stephen Tobolowski in the face and <laughs> Ned, yeah, Ned Ryerson, yeah, Ned, yeah, that would not end well. That would Needle nose Ned, well. Ned the head, yeah, uh, yeah, he wouldn't. He would headbutt him first of all. Second of all, yeah, Roy Cannon Groundhog Day is something I really would like to see as Phil Connor. So he would read if, if we, so much. If we could CGI that, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> he would read so much. He really would. But you can also picture him uh, mastering the piano uh, and then playing uh, to the mirth of all the onlookers or giving Michael uh, Shannon tickets to WrestleMania. Uh, all these things Depending are things Depending on the picture. day he's trapped in, I actually don't know how much Roy Kent minds Groundhog Day. Yeah, he might be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be fine with what's happening with Keeley, so he might well be okay with it. Yeah, depending on what's on tap. Uh, Look, uh, part of the problems for these athletes is when they retire, they become unmoored from their routine. Like routine is what he craves. Exactly. Yeah. Could be great for him. Could be Uh, great for him. I highly doubt he likes groundhogs as a concept, though, uh, or as an animal. Uh, 
just doesn't seem like yeah. it would be something. So, <laughs> yeah, you have a lot to say about their wishy washiness regarding their own shadows. I feel like <laughs> just uh, see it or don't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Should have uh, get off the pot. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Uh, what about the Sex in the City stuff? You're you're a better Sex in the City guy than I. I could speak on the Da Vinci Code. And uh, the Carrie treated Aiden like crap. There's no doubt about it. But also, Aiden is trash. They're all trash. They <laughs> they all suck. And I know some people are like, "Whoa, Aiden was fine. What's your problem? Aiden was a Aiden was whiny. He was doing like he's uh, uh, I could not. I can't stand Aiden." Uh, everything about Aiden just really irritates me. Uh, so like, was was Carrie good to Aiden? No, uh, decidedly not. Absolutely bad to Aiden, in fact. Uh, but that whole relationship was toxic. Takes two to tango on something like that, and I feel <laughs> like Aiden is a piece of it. So, uh, thumbs down on that whole relationship. Uh, Roy and Keeley are doing much better than Aiden and Carrie, thankfully. Um, but if, uh, if Keely ever starts getting nervous about any um, home improvement projects and what that means for her independence uh, as it pertains to her relationship with Roy, I think that's where we start uh, getting nervous and start having to map Carrie and Aiden onto Roy and Keely a little more seriously. I know it's not Aiden, but if I see Roy Kent with a post-it note, I'm going to be a little nervous. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, yeah no, he would never do it. He would never. He would never burger Keely. <laughs> Put some relish on that, but he would never do that. <laughs> Put some relish on that burger. No, he would never burger Keely. He would because never. He clearly is. He just is that into her. That's clearly the thing he calls he would her. Never the Russian Keely. <gasps> like you know, he's. Uh, I he would never big time Keeley either, Mister Big Time. He would never leave her at City Hall and then be like, "I made a huge mistake, Carrie. I'm sorry." Like that, we wouldn't have to go there. North. We wouldn't have to go there. Good north. True North. Yeah. True North. Yeah, you found your True North. Your yeah. Lone Star. Yeah, uh, I did Can like. You tell your- that I'm ready to do the Sex in the City podcast when we get to uh, and just like that, the HBO Max continuation of the Sex in the City mythology. I'm ready to go. Yes, and can you tell I am ready to not listen to a single <laughs> second of that? Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Listen, you do you, Emily bro. Fox and I are ready to go. We are right. ready to go. We were born ready for this. You guys enjoy that. Yeah, uh, we will. I will just sit over here and write blogs about we my will. friends and put we a little blast in my life. Uh, I think you, I think you love. I think you'd really like it. Uh, not the show. Uh, not the show. But I feel like we're gonna have a lot to say. And it's gonna be good. Can't miss television. Can't miss, can't tele- miss television. Can't miss television podcasting. I did like how um, Keely in the boot room said that, look, I think Roy's the cat's pajamas. And then Roy said the same thing to Keely in private when he was forcing her to bathe with her dirty feet. Um, so that was nice that they both referred to each other in the same kind of uh, way, uh, an affectionate way. When and Roy having no idea that Keely said that about him and him saying it to her. I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it speaks to their connection and why they do work ultimately. Um, but things that don't work, uh, it's, it's, it was so rough for me. We saw the positive callback to season one with the box with the face on it. Uh, when Nate came to see his parents, of course, that was the suggestion box that Nate made with, I guess it was his niece, maybe. Yeah. Um, that's cute. Season one. Yep. Yeah. Very cute. This was the St. Patrick's Day themed one. Nate makes the face at it. It's a reminder that there are some positive things in Nate's life, but it's a reminder that's juxtapositioned with the negative reminder of his father, uh, probably yelling about Brexit at the newspaper with about the changing policies. Uh, I would 
imagine Nate's dad is involved in that discourse. I'm not sure one way or the other, and I don't feel qualified to speak on yep. uh, what his position would be, but I feel like that's the sort of thing he's probably ranting about. They're all scum, you know, they're all screwing this up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that was, uh, that was so mean, uh, that was so mean of his dad, even though I think it was probably good advice. The timing was so terrible, uh, so cruel for him not to recognize that all his son wanted in that moment was a little bit of approval. Yep. And that maybe a little bit would go such a long so way. So far, yeah. Um, yeah, sucks. Especially since Nate really is buying into his own press. It was interesting that he pulled Holiday in for Colin, like so specific and so negative. I mean, there are Holiday Inns in the UK, as I'm given to understand. So not a thing that he wouldn't say, uh, but just a very specific put down. As Beard said, very weird. How did you like Josh, though? Let's talk about Beard as Batman. We didn't really give that the, the, That's the screen time. That's what I want. <laughs> this is this is my guy, yes. uh, Coach Beard, uh, disappearing like Batman when Nate turns around to like continue the conversation after Beard, and you know, look uh, to be determined. Like, did Beard handle this properly? Um, I I don't think he handled it improperly necessarily in terms of um, you know trying to like keep the, like Ted's got enough to worry about. Maybe his, is this part of his thinking that he doesn't need to be involved with this and Beard having enough um, confidence in his own abilities as he should, right? Like he has a job to do too, to like set this right and at least get the culture of the coaching staff in the right place. Um, so like, I feel like how, how Beard handled Nate, I don't have too many issues with. Uh, and it was hard to, I think, imagine that Nate would then go on and do what he did next. Um but we'll see how it how it shakes out from there. But the fact that he gives that speech to Nate, and then Nate turns around uh, and then turns back around to say something more to Beard, and Beard is gone, like Nate's <laughs> Commissioner Gordon, and Beard yeah. is the Dark Frickin' Knight, the Cape Crusader. Nate I should looks say up. The, the capped crusader. The capped crusader. He is, he's wearing the Jane hat. He's wearing that artful Dodger hat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, and Nate looks up, which is always so funny when yes. uh, you got a moment like this. As, yes. as though Beard would be like spider linked to the ceiling. This like, is what I want. This is this is my good. this is my stuff. This is my very stuff. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. thought of you as soon as I saw oh, it. I was yeah, like, Josh is going to eat that. That's up. my that's my beard content. That's what I want. What about uh, speaking of beard content? We talked about how Ted. Uh, notices that and he references like it's like falling asleep with the stove on from drinking too much while watching Citizen Kane. Uh, and you talked about, we talked about how, um, maybe Beard's doing the right thing. Maybe he's not. But what we didn't talk about, Josh, uh, is are the jerky boys a national treasure? No, pass. Uh, you're not, you're out on the jerky boys. Yeah, fine. They're fine. Whatever. Uh, I was a big jerky boys guy myself. I believe it. I buy it. I, I went and saw it. the movie in the theater. I'm sure you did. It was a very specific New York vibe to me uh, as a kid in yeah. the Midwest. These Jerky Boys, I loved all the tapes. I was, I was all in. Yeah, I was, my, I was my childhood memories of crank calling and the like. Uh, let's call it a mixed bag. Oh no! <laughs> Were you crank called? Uh, let's call it a mixed bag. That's all we're going to get into. Uh, Antonio, have... I give a lot of myself on this yes, podcast. We'll have two more therapy sessions. You know, I give a lot. I, I hand over a lot of myself to, yes. to you out there. Uh, I'm going to keep this one to myself. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll move off the jerky boys. Yeah. yeah. They, I, I think maybe one of the jerky boys called you at one point. That's my operating <laughs> theory. I'm going to go back and review the tapes. Uh, 
<laughs> oh man, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna review the tapes and find right. young Josh Wiggler being called by a jerky boy Do singular it. Do and it. see what happens. Do it. Um, how about the sprinklers? Did you enjoy the uh, the train north by northwest going into the tunnel moment? Uh, oh, I missed this. Oh well, it's just Roy and Keeley when Roy is turning Keeley on by simply reading, uh, and she climbs up onto his lap, and then the next thing you see are the sprinklers exploding onto the the pitch. Oh, that's, um, that's lovely. A direct cut, yeah, evocative, yeah. very evocative, yeah, very evocative. Yes. Uh, let's just say, yes, very evocative. Uh, did we talk about? I, I think we did, um, but there are a couple. There are a couple really good lines. Uh, the line that really wins Ted over by Dr. Sharon. She knew that it would be a good line. I can't be your mentor without sometimes being your tormentor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was great. So Ted. Yeah. Uh, and that is like a, a really great therapeutic skill is to kind of meet your client where they are, I think. Uh, yeah, she and, knew it. And begin, you know, like, you know, you're, you're both, you know, learning about each other in a lot of ways, I think often, uh, and like uh, speaking, you know, speaking Ted's language, like that's going to be the thing that, uh, you know, sort of cuts through some of the red tape. Uh, speaking of speaking a specific language, uh, how, what are your views on jazz scatting, Josh? Uh, <laughs> I, I uh, also, in the vein of the Jerky Boys, don't really want to get into it. Oh, no. Someone <laughs> once crank called you and jazz scatted, didn't they? I really don't want to talk about <laughs> it. I give a lot of myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one I want to keep. I want to keep this one. Yeah, this one's for right. me. This one's we for will, me. We'll skip that. We'll skip the jazz scatting. <laughs> Clearly, a sore yeah. spot that I did not yeah, know. Yeah, no, this existed. one I'll keep. I'll hang on to it. I'll That's fair. It. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was really it. The the needle drop at the end was cream. I feel free. Uh, Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker joint. Uh, Eric Clapton, noted racist and asshole. Uh, right. Ginger Baker seems like a cool dude. So. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. cream. Uh, yeah. I feel free. That's Nate. I think feeling free to just yes. put people on blast and yep. feeling good about it. And yeah, for sure. Just just living out there on the edge and no problem with it. So uh, I just uh, I just don't like where we're at with Nate. And I don't think it's going in a better direction. I think it's going to get way worse. Well, where we are going next is Man City. Uh, that's season two, episode eight. Man City uh, Man is, is uh, so like this is obviously like a, a, a spot where a lot of different different characters are uh you know have potential investment in terms of their stories everything like that um you know could be a big jamie episode uh i think like to the point of like uh could nate get poached or could he like leave uh could this be a, a, a point where that happens i don't know um so we'll see uh it's the the 18th episode overall of ted lasso the eighth episode of season two and uh five more episodes on the board here for season two of Apple TV Plus's Ted Lasso Antonio. Unbelievable. And it seems like, uh, it just seems like a like last week we were talking about how episode five should have been the second episode. <laughs> so here we are the second week, I should say. So here we are on episode seven, just a couple weeks later. And it feels like the season's almost over. Like, I don't know how this goes, but here we are. Here we are. Uh, We'll be back next week. We want your feedback. Of course, Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. Keep the conversation going with us in the Post Show Recaps patron discord, patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. If you want to talk about Ted Lasso with a really great community of people uh, who are watching and loving the show uh, and having really, really insightful conversations about what's happening on screen. You can, of course, also talk to us on the Twitters. I'm at Round Howard. Antonio's at AC Mazzaro.
I'm not prompting you. You just say whatever you want. You want you, you just yo oh you oh that, you, that was not dead air. You know. Uh, I'm at AC Mazzaro, um, like I have been every other podcast. Uh, it hasn't changed since then. Uh, there's two Z's and one R in there, um, in whatever order you see fit. Uh, and I am Josh, a strong and capable man. Yes, you are. You always have been. I'm looking forward. I want to see what happens with Colin. We've had enough of Colin this season and his mantra, and there's little notes throughout. I feel like something good is coming. I hope something good is coming. Yeah. I just want a Dom on the show so we get Dom and Colin at some that's point. That's what that would be. That's my dream. That's I where always I'm at. support Dom and Colin. That's where I'm at, too. Uh, all right. We'll be back next week, everybody. Take care. Bye bye. Cheers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.